Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman, and this podcast is brought to you by, as always, by Phantom Bill Stickers. Uh, we've got support from Lafare with coffee and Yeastie Boys with beer. And we have a brand new sponsor. We have a tea sponsor. The Tea Leaf Company have provided a bunch of their fantastic herbal tea for uh, me to share with guests. And um, yeah, maybe even later on, we might even try and coordinate getting some out to the listeners if, if, if you guys listening are keen to to have some free tea um, but yeah it's early days for the tea leaf and sweetman podcast but just wanted to announce that so episode 51 is me talking to david long david long is a composer uh, he's done a lot of in the last few years film soundtracks documentaries short film animated uh, kids sh- shows but probably you know him as the guitarist from the Mutton Birds, and you might know some of the other stuff he's done, like the Lab Coats. Um, he's done a, a, a bunch of sort of improvised music, and then back in the 80s he was in um, the Six Volts, that basically was the band for the Front Lawn, and um, he did. Uh, he was in a band called Tin Syndrome. And so we talk about all of those kinds of things that built up to the Mutton Birds, and we talk about, um, you know, the post-punk uh, movement that really inspired him and, and really just his his sort of how his ears developed, how he uh, fell in love with music and how that kept going. So it's a conversation about all of that. And then, of course, we talk about a lot about the Mutton Birds. We talk about um, the initial run of the Mutton Birds. And he left the group before they disbanded. So... Uh, but he did go back for the reunion tour, so we talk about, I guess, all the elements of the Mutton Birds, all those different versions, and um, you'll hear some of his film score work, um, particularly from the um, Edmund Hillary documentary from a couple of years ago, which I thought was an amazing score and an amazing documentary. So I, I know David; I've, 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 you know, talked to him over the years bumped into him at gigs at industry events and 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 chatted with him a few times informally but this was the first time sitting down with him and having a a a focused conversation an interview if you like and i really really enjoyed talking with him so i hope you like listening to this this is me talking with david long Oh, yeah, Layla, I do. Yeah, yeah. She's coming. She's coming back, yeah. Yeah, she's going to stay in our house when we're arriving. Oh, cool. Is that, um, yeah, because she's here now, basically. Yeah, she's in Christchurch. Um, there we go. I usually just hold it because then I can, uh, I'm paranoid about. (laughs) That's how wonky that is. I'm paranoid about batteries and things. Like, I, I never used to record interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to see the. The light going, the light, the light. and then I'm like, oh, and I think this might run out of batteries, but I've got spares, so we'll just see, yep. see how we get. Um, so I was thinking, like, maybe we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing right now, yeah, or what you've just done because you've had a pretty big year, yeah, I take it, and I know a little bit about some of that, and then we'll go back and talk through, okay, some, cool, some things. So you've just tell me about the the weekend and the premiere of the new piece and the uh, yeah. So so I, I wrote this piece so it was 2014-15 I was the composer in residence up at Vic and started doing stuff and that which was sort of great because it was sort of interesting I'd never gone for that you know because I sort of thought that's what I'm not trained yeah you know I'm I'm a bastard composer yeah yeah Um, John Sarthas was a friend said to me you should apply for it we need to broaden it you know so I did and I got it which Mm. was cool and 
Um, so I'd started a piece thinking some sort of chamber thing. Stroma didn't... I was thinking of Stroma. They didn't mm. get funding. Um, and they... Um, but then Orchestra Wellington said, do you want to write a piece? And I said, well, I've got this piece that I've started. And so that went from there. So I finished that at the start of this year. Mm. And so it's about 18 players. And I played in it. And David Downs did a video mm. piece for it, mm. which was really beautiful. And Guy I met up at Vic, who's sort of called Jim Murphy, who's lecturing there now, but he was just finishing his doctorate in like music and robotics. So he made, he makes sort of, he's interested in contemporary versions of like mm. player pianos mm. and stuff mm. like that. So mm. he made this sort of what, what he called a mechatronic plate, which sort of on two axes and you could move it around and I stuck it um, so you can program, mm. you know, through MIDI different movements for mm. it. And we played with putting different te things on it. I ended up with coriander seeds and seaweed and with a contact mic and yeah. threw an amp and lots of hot cake on it. Yeah. It sounded really cool. So it was like a <laughs> random mm. Mm. thing. Mm. Um, so it was really cool. It was really cool. Because I, I, I laughed about... Um, I really wanted to go and see it, but I um, had, had sort of other stuff on, and, and, and including seeing Tortoise that night, which was obviously a nice thing to see instead of seeing that, you know, performance to see something. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I, um, I laughed at the social media. Someone said, um, you know, didn't even know this was on, and you were you were kind of like, oh yeah, I'm not very good at promoting that. <laughs> uh, I sort of joined Facebook this year because people said to me, you know, you should push yourself more. Yeah. And. It comes to it and I'm just, I find it really hard. Yeah. I find it really hard. Sort of, I can push other things. Not your own. Not my own. So you can make recommendations, just, yeah. just not if you're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or I can share things if someone else has written stuff. Yeah. So I'm not very good at that. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, we're classic Kiwi. What <laughs> yeah, people yeah, call yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure other countries do it all the time as well. Yeah, you know? I think it's a fine line, isn't it? Because I think we're all learning that we have to be that little bit more push, pushy, open, whatever the word is. We have to be a little bit more. Yeah, you more, want people to know what you're doing. Yeah, and so that they can have a choice. Yeah, this I always sort of think. I mean, you kind of can't win because then you are going to get people tell you, you know, who cares and rah rah rah. But yeah. yeah I always just sort of think this stuff's kind of opt-in, you know, like, you put it there and people respond to it if they want to. Yeah. You know, if they don't, that's yeah. fine. And, well, if, they, and not, if they don't want to see it, they can work out ways to not see it. Yeah, you know? I'm not very good at that yet, so... Yeah. Um, um, but it, there was lots of people there. They were all mainly there to see the planets, you know. Yeah. And um, Claire Cowan had a piece which was cool. Yeah. And um, I was pleased with... It was, you know... Basically, uh, it was m the way I write. Lots of sort of, I guess, what people sort of call minimalist, repetitive yeah. things with yeah. with slowly evolving textures over them. And, yeah, yeah. And um, and and textures that I found between instruments that surprised me. You know, and yeah. that's what I look. That's what I look for when I'm writing as well. So, yeah. Um, things that I don't know. Set. I really I like writing texturally. Is that come from I mean I would I would try and say that that you probably play guitar that way too as, as your writing totally. come from that yeah yeah, yeah. I, well I think maybe that's just what I'm interested in yeah. so that's develop uh, I used to 
in the mutton birds, I was sort of myself as colouring in yes, dumb songs, absolutely. you know. So I would add the mm. add add the, the background and the, mm, the texture mm. and the all the sort of often smeared splattered yeah. paint on which, it. Which which um, I don't know how long we could go with the metaphor, but when you're dealing with the sort of no, can- canvas it. that he's yeah, stretching. Yeah. Um, was so good with things like White Valiant is obviously a standout example I think of of, of, of him creating a nice song that's just enough of a song because it's yeah. quite a sketch in a yeah. way and you doing exactly that colour yeah yeah no yeah. that's um, in the way Dom does a beautiful mm. pen drawing mm. and I um, sort of do a Jackson Pollock over it over it <laughs> yeah but, but you know we, we've worked out over the years that that's was a that's been a nice yeah and, you know especially looking back the mutton birds I think we sort of went wow that mm. we developed a style working together that yeah worked you know um that was actually intuitive but you didn't know that until you'd worked yeah, on it kind yeah, of yeah, until, exactly. until you look back <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and then study it yeah yeah, go, yeah. Oh. um and so because I was thinking that's also now I think what you're doing uh with with teeth which is the band with Luke uh, with Luke Buddha and because um, that's a recent project and I came and saw two of the shows you just did four yeah. in a row and you've got that thing going on different but that thing going on where your guitars yours and Luke are kind of talking to each other and at each other yeah yeah we're, that's definitely quite a textural band and, mm. and I'm I'm loving well I'm loving playing with all the players but Luke yeah, and yeah. I as guitarists yeah. we're sort of quite different but there's a whole crossover that mm. we're really enjoying together you sort of stumble into these harmony leads or you start on them and then you meander off like yeah, you, work, yeah. you know it's almost like you work out okay so we've done that for a bit how do we move away from that and you, you find exactly the right point to do that yeah it's it's great and it's great yeah. because Tom and Anne are such mm. great great players and great improvisers yes so that it's sort of like we start we mm. start heading off somewhere and you I really noticed that on that last night, which I guess makes sense for you. Yeah. We've done four, and probably largely the same set. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, you're, a, you're a band with one album that yeah. people haven't heard yet, really. Like, only a few of hers not been released. So you've got an album worth of material, and and you're sort of a part-time project that's moved a bit more into a full-time project. Yeah. You know, you've all. It's, I think we'll stay part-time. Because yeah, we're yeah, never yeah. really gonna make any money from it to be full-time are we but 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 uh, what is uh, you know that, that improvisation and that sort of flair that all of you have seemed to make a lot more sense on that last night like you'd worked into how those things you came on the first night first and last yeah, yeah. first so first night was fun but more careful yeah 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 and by yeah. the end we were we loosened up <laughs> yeah and and i think like the third one we sort of maybe loosened up too much, right? And we talked about it and brought it back, back in, in it, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, um, we're going to Auckland, doing two yeah. gigs in Auckland this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that will be nice. Yeah, you know, just doing more play. It's so nice being feeling about playing fit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I haven't been playing live that no, much. No, yeah, few exactly. Years. So that's what I was thinking. That the, the the band must be a nice little a nice project for you a nice little outing great it's yeah. great I love yeah. it yeah I love it and it's I also sort of go wow I'm playing like that wasn't the sort of band that I expected that I would mm. when I you know went back into bands mm. that I expected I would be in but I'm so 
So I talked, I talked to Luke a bit about teeth, but what was the hook up there? How did you... I mean, he explained to me how Ant kind of came into his world. I know that Ant actually yeah. auditioned for Phoenix Foundation, which I, 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 didn't, I didn't know until he told me right. that. But I've known the Phoenix boys for yeah, years just yeah. through being in Wellington, you know, yeah. and I worked with Sam on his first solo album yes. as well. But um, so we're all aware of... We all yeah, know yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. We all see each other around. Um, so it was Ant who suggested me. Right. And, and so how far back does your history with Ant go? I met Ant when I was, um, I think I was about 15 actually. Well, yeah, my, I wondered if it went all the way my back. Brother, my brother flattered with someone, a guy called Neil Duncan, who was yes. a sex player, who I ended up playing with, but I was like 15 and they were all like early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I remember meeting him there, like, he had like then about three tattoos and they were weird though. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy's different. Yeah. Um, and so probably I was about 19 or 20 when I first started playing with him. And then we played together and things for about, through probably about five years yeah. until I started Martin Birds with Don and yeah. I moved to Auckland. And, yeah. Um, but so now Ant and I are in lab coats together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and teeth. Yeah, so he's. He's my main... Yeah, one of your main collaborators. Yeah, you guys, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I knew you played together in the 80s, but I was wondering how, just how far back yeah. that went. Well, maybe we could explore a little bit of that um, a bit further, but I, I, I was wondering, like, where did you grow up? And are you a Wellington? I grew up in... No, I'm Upper Hutt, which... Which is not Wellington. Not Wellington. It's sort of like, yeah. you know, I think, you know, maybe only like... 30 kilometres from Wellington. Yeah, yeah. It's about a thousand kilometres. Yeah. Metaphorically, metaphysically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, by the time I was about 13, I knew I wasn't staying in Upper Hutt because I'd sort of got into the whole punk and post-punk thing mm. and, I don't know, somehow just wanted to be, wanted to be playing in bands, you know. Well, how did you find, how did you... How did you find music, or how did music find you? Was it through your parents? And no, my parents were. My dad was a trade unionist, and my mum was a sort of social activist. And so, we had we had like the Four Seasons and some Beethoven, and mm. then a bunch of like folk music sort the of Matt protest. Tavani. Well, no, like my <laughs> protest no, with yeah. Joan Baez, yeah, yeah, Bob Dylan, some yeah. really great stuff. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Um, but but. Um, I started buying albums when I was little, or getting them for presents, like mm. blocks and golden discs and yep. sold gold hits. And when I was about twelve, actually, it was a friend, you know, a family friend, a guy called Justin Harrell, who came and he played. Oh well, Radio with Pictures had started, mm. and so you started seeing stuff. But he said to me, "You might like this band XTC," and I remember finding them and just going oh my god and it was so different from all the 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 often great stuff that was around and up at home but full of verbosity you know the sort of mm. um like my brother and lots of his friends they were all listening to the zeppelin deep purple yeah um sort of florid yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of long, extended things, and suddenly coming across this angular, spiky, spiky short, sharp. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I just remember going, "Oh my god!" And everything sort of changed. Did you, you know? have any sort of appreciation for 
the metal and classic rock and all that sort of stuff you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I did. As well. and, and I actually learned, you know, like when I was when I was thirteen, I learned, you know, I learned the whole solo from Stairway to Heaven. Right. Yeah. You know, like all the classic rites of passage, guitar rites of passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that time. I did did yeah. all of that. Yeah. And um, I, a couple of years ago, actually, Nicky Hager's a old friend, mm. and he was a friend of my brother's. Then I met him there, and he said to me. Do you remember when when we first met? I went, yeah, you came for dinner, and he went. I, I was about fifteen, and he was doing a job with my brother, a student job. You mm. know, they were all about nineteen, and um, he said, yeah, you. We came for dinner, and you played guitar in your room until dinner. Came out, ate your dinner, then you went back and <laughs> played guitar. Yeah. And he said, it's nice that it came to something. You know? <laughs> but um, then then also when I was fourteen, I went with my sister and. Um, um, some friends of hers to Talking Heads in the town hall mm. and more songs about bullies and food had just came out come out, and my sister got given that many state. I was blown out by the concert yeah. and that came out and I probably listened to that every day for about four years wow. you know it's one of those albums that as the song finishes I know the exact it's, it doesn't get kind of as written up as the others around it too that because there's like there's obviously there's the debut is important because it's yeah. the starting point and then you jump into the sort of Eno years yeah you know, well he did, he I, did I, know he, songs, I know he did but it's but not the it obvious like exactly Remain in Light is the sort of one yeah, that, yeah, and, and I love that album Fear of Music as well yeah you know, yeah like, I mean it was oh god it's such a great light up because I got that Buildings and Food um, quite by accident given to me as a present on cassette tape one Christmas right. when I was quite young. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, of course, I'd already, give, you know, given my age, I already knew the big hits of, of Talking Heads and I sort of was working backwards. So I already knew the kind of, uh, you know, um, burning down the house and the, yeah, yeah. The, the classic Stop Making Sense concert film. But I was working backwards and that was the first of the of any of the early records. So I heard that before Remain in Light. Right, right. And I, so I've always had a real soft spot for it. I think it. it's an amazing album. Yeah. And I still, I actually, you know, there's you go back and you see the stuff that you, you there's sort of stuff that you poo-poo when you're young, mm. you know, and because I then, you know, at college was getting into the post-punk thing, mm. I sort of, you felt sort of like you weren't allowed to like Fleetwood Mac anymore. Yeah, yeah. I go back to that and I love it so much. Yeah. But um, but still going back and listening to things that you listen to and what still works and mm. that Talking head stuff yeah. still really, really works. Yeah. Um, and, and through that, I, I also sort of made, started making all those connections between, because I was obsessed from when I was like 12 with David Bowie. Right, so you made the Eno connection. Yeah, so I made the Eno connection. Who's this guy that's... And so I went back and started finding all his 70s albums, mm. you know, um, Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy and, mm. and Here Come the Warm Jets, and I still love yeah. those albums as well. And I mean, it's freakish how um, how huge that guy's influence is on music yeah it's just a like I was thinking about this um, well I was talking to Sean Donnelly and he was saying how much he loved that Possible Music's album which is Brian Eno and John Hassel and that's like 19, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1980 or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and you think about what he did between sort of 78 and 81 yeah like half a dozen kick-ass albums with different people you know Bush of Ghosts those Oh, those, those handful of talking. My life in the bush of ghosts is a really yeah 
such a great album. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and it's amazing how many people like that album. Uh, that, that, to me, that's sort of the album that even people who don't like Brian Eno, if they exist, and even people who don't like Talking Heads, if yeah, they yeah, exist, yeah. find themselves at that album because it because it exists in its own little sphere. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a link to those careers, but it sort of just hangs, you know, it's a big influence on hip-hop. And yeah, yeah, it's because it's that whole sort of sampling, early sampling yeah. thing, but they were cutting tape, I think. Yeah, yeah, they were. And, and rock and rolling tape. Yeah. And, and against, you know, yeah. they would have been using half-inch rock, rolling it against the... Mm you know, two-inch tape and mm. dropping it in, and mm. it's pretty amazing. But I was just thinking, he made, so he made Bush of Ghosts, he's just done Remain in Light, I mean, he's he's only just got off the end of that Berlin trilogy, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that yeah. with Bowie, and this possible music, so then, and then the, um, his ambient record with Harold Budd, which is just beautiful, you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, these are just phenomenal records that any record collection should have. And he's sort of almost... All- He's always just had the sense of weird. Be I mean, mm. I love I love him. Like he's he's an aesthetic. You know, he's got such a strong aesthetic sense, and and you know, because he calls himself a, a non musician yeah, yeah. who makes music. You know, so yeah. he's often around just being a provocateur. Or, yeah, he's almost um, like just a concept now, isn't he? Yeah, like yes. Yeah, yeah. What I keep sort of arriving at with him is that he is this. You know, he is an an essay in human form. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Because. Uh, you know, and I love. I've been listening to you know he did the John Peel yeah. lecture, which was really great. Yeah, I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I've I've got it like saved on every it's, device I it's have. It's really, it's really good. I'm kind of waiting for him, you, know, you know, the right moment. His so. ideas about you know, um, which I saw a while ago, him talking about that, that the like not having time for the concept of genius, but he talks about seniors. You know, mm. like like really great things come from a whole lot of people bubbling away, and things popping out of yeah. scenes that are happening and mm. I think that's a much it's a far less romantic you know we, we like to have this romance about about some genius who mm. just things come down from heaven through them but you know you look at re- where really good things happen and often it is because there's been stuff bubbling around mm. for years and you know it'll be just one artist maybe who mm. pops out of that but mm. um I find that really interesting, and I think it is also. I mean, for me, and and my career, it's sort of funny to talk about a career, but I guess you know when you're 50, mm. you can. Mm. Um, well, when you start getting positions like composer and resident, yeah, I know, fucking hell. Sorry, man, but that's that's a career move. Like that, you have so, to you have to have a career to get there. And yeah, yeah, You have yeah. to have one to go back to afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, and it's where, where, when I started here in like Martin Birds on classic rock mm. stations, mm. And, you know, you go, shit, wasn't I the sort of edgy arty <laughs> guy? Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask you if, since we're talking about Edo, when you when you started talking about um, that sort of textural approach to composition, and, and, and I jumped in and said, that's has that come from your guitar playing? I was going to ask if Edo was like a key influence on you as a composer or just you know as a musician uh, as a musician uh, and I think you know and and that that era but also when I moved I was 16 when I moved into a flat in Wellington and I used to go to the library every day and they had the you know the lending mm. section and the music but and I used to get out um sort of three albums a week and one would often be a jazz album like old jazz yeah. and I got into Ellington through that and mm. 
but um, I always got out one or two world music albums as well, mm-hmm. and I didn't realise it at the time, but obviously all of, lots of the Eno, you know, yeah, Eno yeah. was playing Filikuti to, yeah. um, to, to, to talking heads, and, and, yeah. Yeah. and so that whole mm-hmm. world music thing has, has been a huge thing, and often when it's that interesting, you know, like I remember going into King Sunny A Day and going, you know, who's a Nigerian, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he um, always had like a couple of either black steels and pedal steels and going, well, how did they end up there? Yeah. And then coming years later reading about how um, Hawaiian music was really huge and became yeah. really huge in Nigeria for a while and that, I love that, mm. you know. That cross-pollination and when you can do it and take influences. Analog synthesizers and yeah, some of that, yeah, you know, yeah. Some of that oh, South African and Nigerian yeah. music, which is amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. But when you can do it, you know, there's all those questions about appropriation yeah. and stuff. Yes. But I think, you know, interesting people do it without without sort of doing just a version, mm. you know, of, of that. And I find that less interesting anyway. Yeah. But listening widely... Mm. I think just sort of gives you change, broadens your aesthetic. And you mentioned Ellington. I mean, that's a key for anyone wanting to work in any composition, like work studiously, if not seriously, in composition, isn't it? Ellington was really big for me, and Ellington's another person who who works with colour. You know, yeah. like he would have a melody that would go on, and it would have a thin muted trumpet mm. to playing with a with sort of some sort of sax in the middle and then bass clarinet right at the bottom mm. so playing this sort of strange stretched out mm. you know harmonic version of a melody and, yeah um, I really you know it was the first sort of one for me that got me realising that the rhythm section doesn't have to play the whole way through in jazz you know like right. really, just as a kid listening to it I, that right. was my first association was like oh this guy's doing all this interesting stuff with strings and you know as well as horns and I I approached jazz as a kid loved it still love it but you know with like the bass and the drums and the piano all kind of just firing off and everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone's sitting in on top of that yeah 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 yeah. you know he was so much they were so much more mm. than mm. that and I loved things like um, his trombonist, well, one of his trombonists, um, Tricky Sam Nanton, mm-hmm. could get on his on his horn. I think with a mute and a plunger, he could get these seven really weird sounding notes. Right. But it just on seven notes on the trombone. Yeah. And so Ellington used to write most of Tricky Sam Nanton's parts around those seven notes. Right. Right. And I love that. Yeah. Um, that's simplicity as well. Mm. Like for me, the Probably the jazz that I like most is that that earlier sort of thirties into, into the forties, um, especially Ellington actually. But you know, Basie Band and um, and and then I went into you know I got into lots of the free jazz, Ornette and mm. people like that. I listened a lot to that stuff, um, and I still listen. You know, I dusted off the turntable and listening to. Um, people like Charlie Hayden and his Liberation Orchestra mm. and stuff like that which is beautiful mm. people who played with Ornette but went yeah, to other yeah. places and, yeah yeah um, yeah yeah well Charlie Hayden's another guy that's I mean for uh, nominally just a bass player I mean that's not the guy that, that almost has an Eno like yeah. thing within jazz in a way and also given his family members like yeah. the dynasty you know like but 
but he sort of just keeps popping up and or you know keep popping up in these interesting places yeah yeah you know, taking jazz to because to, to... he played on um like he played on he played on a track or two on Odelay. yeah my big album. yeah 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 that's um, right. and and you know I, I kind of probably first heard him as a name um but because I bought all the Ginger Baker jazz records all the things that he didn't play because I was a, you know I was a cream fanatic and I and yeah. Clapton fanatic, but then I got over Clapton and just got into Cream and, and Blind Faith and the sort of, yeah 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 cool. and then it became with playing the drums it became oh so what else you know it was hard to find Ginger Baker records when I well, when I was growing up the, the vinyl didn't exist anymore and the CDs weren't being reissued yeah but then he put out a couple of pretty cool jazz albums in the 90s with him, Charlie Hayden and Bill Frizzell and they oh, are they're really? really good yeah yeah I have to find yeah, them yeah they're really really good I love that um, Ch- Charlie's a hearing had gone um, so there's some really funny YouTube clips of them playing and because apparently when they recorded one of them he, he basically had to be in a, a separate studio kind of thing right this completely separate room and they've got um, there's YouTube clips of them with you know they've got the dividers up this sort of shell around the drum kit but um, Bill Frizzell is standing a couple of feet away from Ginger and then completely as far away as you get on the other side of the stage is Charlie Hayden playing bass this is this giant like football field yeah, between yeah, them yeah. it kind of looks comical he, could, he just couldn't deal with the couldn't sound couldn't deal with the sound yeah 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 he's such a beautiful player mm. gut strings mm. you know mm. those gut strings mm. for that tone mm. yeah um, so what are you doing at 16, apart from in, in a flat and finding all of these cool things, the starts of all these cool things? Are you studying and working no, or are you I, just I, I, playing guitar I and did, coming out for dinner? I ended up getting a job at the university bookshop mm. and I worked there 20 hours a week and at some point decided that um, I hated rock and roll, that right. I didn't like it anymore, that I wanted to play different stuff and had this sort of idea that I could work it out myself search and just work out how to play weed guitar mm. and slowly started realizing that i couldn't i remember actually hearing swordfish trombones oh yeah you know tom waits and and feeling like and the guitarists on that there's like mm. morris tepper and Re- Mark Rebo. he's not on he's that not one on that he's later he's but the next one but but yeah he's obviously waits got mm. to play in that style yeah yeah, yeah. That, um, and I remember just feeling like crying because I thought mm. I should just stop because right, they're doing what I think doing what I yeah. what I want what I want to do. But so I started sort of practicing like, and then I took up the cello as well. Mm. And I practiced for three or four or five hours a day for quite a few years, which um, now, I, now I feel like I can really <laughs> play. But um, I, I started, you know, like so. So in a way, I actually realized that I had to, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to play jazz, but I needed to understand how chords worked. And is working in the bookshop bringing in some pretty cool influences for you too? Are you reading? Yeah, reading. Widely? Yeah, reading widely. And I've always read. Yeah. Widely, but yeah, reading widely and... Introducing you to things, stuff's available. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, And reading sort of more, starting to read more widely into sort of slightly philosophy or slight you know sort of mm. that sort of stuff as well and mm. something when, when I left the mutton birds I went and did four years at Vic and I did um honors in history and philosophy and sort of enjoy I've, I've always enjoyed 
being doing things outside music mm. but it also makes you it informs it yeah 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 because uh when you are a, well when you're a writer of music and a performer everything that's happening to you your that personality is reflected in what you put across you know eventually like not every single time but yeah you know it's a funny thing being a performer isn't it because even though you know i'm not a i'm not a huge personality performer mm. you know I'm, i think of myself as a real collaborator but um there's that there is that you do always project some part of you out there but yeah. you hold other bits in yes and so so i it's sort of quite an interesting um uh thing of of when you meet someone who who's been a performer you actually you, when you get to know them they're mm. actually a whole lot more parts mm. than probably what you see um when 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 they perform i don't know that's it's an aside but i think it's quite mm. interesting but yeah so i used to practice all the time then i met people from like primitive primitive, primitive art group yeah and um like anthony and neil duncan and then dave donaldson and then i started playing with neil and janet roddick in a weird little improvised trio mm. and i did that stuff we formed six volts out of that did that for a while then six volts played on an album for the front lawn yeah and that was where i met don oh right yeah of course i didn't really i never really quite thought about that but that's completely obvious right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so so i and yeah. i i've been oh so i've been obsessed with blam 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 and you well, played tid syndrome yeah. yeah, yeah. So where does that fit in? No, I was about fifteen. Yeah, when I did so that. you that must be great. young because I only know that from when when the stuff was reissued a few years ago, right. and it's pretty. And that, that speaks to that whole XTC angular punk. Yeah, yeah. Pun. yeah, yeah. yeah. Slight, slightly new romantic. Yeah, 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 of, yeah. Um, um, I could, I've listened to that and I feel like wow, I could really play the guitar. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I was fifteen. I think it was maybe sixteen when mm. they made the mm. first album. Wow. Which is, um, the others were all older than me. Yeah, that yeah. was great. That was a great learning experience. But yeah. that was me. St- then I started going, do I want rock music? And it was when Don, I really, because I'd loved Blam 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 and yeah. bands like Toy Love and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Don, after the Front Lawn album, really? one day rang and said, I was thinking of forming a rock band. Do you want to do that? Because like, yeah. so, that front lawn record's pretty special. It's a great album. That's, I feel like that's one that. Um, uh, what do I feel about that? I feel like that's one that maybe you know could be introduced to a whole new generation. So each time, every time I hear it, yeah. You know, we were talking before we started rolling. We were talking about Astral Weeks. I'm not not really comparing those records, but it has sort of special secrets and flavours in it like that record does they yeah, don't yeah. sound alike but it's one of those ones you play you instantly want to play again and then you leave it alone for a while then yeah. you come back to it and there's something fresh about That's, it or interesting each time it's such a good album mm. it's, they're, such, they're such good songs yeah yeah I mean when I first kind of discovered that record I thought oh there's like three really good songs on here three really key songs but there's nothing that's bad but it's like no that's not correct like every single song is key like every song is great yeah yeah you, know, you just could sort of yeah Don, Don and Harry really had something and I think that that was really influential you know I mean um Brett and Jermaine yeah. about how, what an influence they yeah. were on Flight of the Concords yeah they were sort of like an early explorer into a whole lot of areas and and I'm just thinking about it now with you saying, you know, he made this phone call and said he wanted to make a rock band. Um, but 
clearly that front lawn stuff was was quite literally the precursor to the mutton birds in terms of Don's writing as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a perfect bridge between, you know, Blam and mutton birds in terms of him, yeah. for him as songwriter. Yeah, 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 and, and developing where, yeah. where he's going. Um, yeah, and then, so, yeah, when we started that, because then we looked for drummers for ages. It was going to be a three-piece. We looked for drummers, and I said to to him one day, Don, I said, oh, have you heard Ross Burge? Because I had seen Ross playing like in the spines. He'd been around Wellington. Mm. And um, I used to just be amazed at his drumming. Yeah. And the fact that he could play a real simple beat and I'd be mesmerised by it. Yeah. And, um, and he can still do that. <laughs> he can still do that. Yeah. It's so true. I've seen him play with a bunch of people and like, obviously now the main thing is he's with Dobbin. Yeah. And you'll see him and Dave just play together as a duo and he does that. Yeah, yeah, you just no bass player, no supporting instruments, just playing a, 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 a theory, a simple groove, but it's hooked on. He's one of the most yeah. beautiful players I agree. I've played with, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I'd imagine it's real, um, real honour to play with someone like that, like the epitome of a safe pair of hands, but also create, you know, create, yeah, not yeah. boring, creative, inspiring, <laughs> Ross, driving, Ross is really but boring. Yeah, really driving. Um, He's wonderful, yeah. So it was interesting. So we went, yeah, let's. And he was in New York, and so he came over, and um, um, that was really great. But then, then we sort of went, oh, we, we went, do need a bass player, and mm-hmm. and Don knew. No, Ross was playing with Matthew, um, you know, Dribbling Darts Flood. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and Al was in that, and so we met Al through that. So we got Al, Alan Greer, the bass player, and mm. that was a nice. That sort of actually went. That four, that group of four was a really yeah. good. So, because he he had some some songwriting in him too. Which, yeah, yeah. Which, which was a nice little you know attachment to yeah. to what Don was doing. Don yeah. obviously the main songwriter. But yeah, and it was really nice. So Al's songs like, which I wasn't really Yeah, but they sort of like sort of they added a sort of like a, a sort of a fun. Side, yeah, yeah. You know, as well, and yeah, um, yeah, it was great. It was good. Yeah, yeah. So, first Button Birds record comes out. How soon after you formed? Like I think you, it was about only a, a year just over a year. Yeah, yeah. and um, um, we, no one would put it out. Yeah. No, no record company. So we ended up getting a distribution deal with Virgin. Right. That was the best we could do, but. Um, um, it sold like in the first year like 25,000 copies so I was just going to say was it a really big hit because I feel like it was a massive yeah, hit it was, it's hard to it was, you know, it's hard to fully remember the stuff it was a big hit for me it was a big big record in my life but yeah it was um, uh, and I don't think any New Zealand albums had sold mm. anything like that for over a decade you know and obviously the, the, the key to making it pop off is this uh, cover of nature yeah, you know, yeah. Jan Hill Regal on backing vocals, which was done as a done as a B side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, a business card. Like, like my guitar and that we because we threw the rhythm section down. Well, we put the rhythm section down, and we were we'd done most of the album in our in our rehearsal mm. room, and um, and but we went in this other little studio where we were starting to mix it, and we put Don sat in some tiny little booth. And put down a guy guitar and and vocal, and Ross and Al sat in this tiny room about the size of this room, you know, mm. um, 
and put drums and bass down and I sat in the studio and we just I just plugged my guitar in through a you know one of those yeah. 90s amp simulations <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, that was and I never redid anything right. on that so that was um, that's the hot take that's <laughs> that, that's my single guitar take yeah. and through this sort of nasty thing but it's funny thinking yeah. about it like I was listening to the album uh, oh, a couple of days ago for the first time in a wee while but you know it, it keeps popping up for me it's something I always go back to but I love that there's this big song that's this big you know I mean in the time that that came out it felt like a sort of homage to Kiwiana in a way you know as well as as well as a tribute to the song or whatever as well as perhaps just a bit of a goof off which I'm guessing it sort of was for you guys in a way you know no disrespect to the source material but just a bit of a goof off playing it but uh, it's buried at the bottom of the album it's the lead track in a sense it's what got people a lot of people to the record yeah, and there it is hiding down the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's wouldn't happen very much. Um, we, I think we, because we we didn't, we were thinking it would be a B side. Yeah, because they happened then. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I think I think I, I lament the loss of B sides now in the yeah, digital yeah. age because that yeah. was often when most interesting things. Yeah, yeah. Would come, but um, but maybe because of that, because it's got that thrown away quality. Mm. It um it was a bit different from our normally very carefully crafted mm. things, you know. Mm. And um but as we did it, it was like as we started mixing it was like, Oh, this is obvious this has to be on yeah. the album. But I think we released Dominion Road first and that had, yeah. you know, that had an okay, mm. you know, quite a good yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. But nature just went, It just took off, didn't yeah, it? That's, yeah. that's, that's what I say. That's really the thing that sent people to the record in droves. Like but you, but you had these big singles all up because there was what four off that record, I think? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what else we had off Oh, there was your window? Yeah. Which I actually really like when yeah. I hear that. Yeah, that's a good song. That was uh, Giant Friend. Giant Yeah, that's on that album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so you know, like that that big Yeah and big singles. And then then yeah, songs like then White there's Valley and these things. key album tracks, Think, Those, Think no. Well Made and Think White well, Valley. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about a Think Well Made. What do you remember about that? Is that because that that I mean that's the song that just haunts me when I yeah. hear it. So Don, Don brought that along, and it was you know he had the whole sort of song there. It was all sort of pretty fully formed because some songs like Dominion Road we would knock yeah. around a lot. Yeah. But um, but and it was before we had a bass player. And we we went we went sort of listened to it and you know he he sort of played all sort of roughly how sort of the chords that I sketch out on the guitar and we went let's make this really really spare and so we decided that I would just it would just be me playing that dun da dun da 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 that and drums mm. and. Within about two hours, we did it, and because Don had the euphonium line he played, mm. and when we got out, we actually played with putting bass into it and stuff, and it just felt right, too wrong. crammed. And so Al did this beautiful harmonies. Yeah, yeah. So that's all he does, and he yeah. plays a little bit of um, guitar. At the yeah, end, but but that's an example of what you're talking about with Ross Burgess playing. Like that, yeah. to me, that song's yeah. a great example of uh, a hypnotic drum beat that I can't imagine anyone else playing it. No, like no. like he would, you know, and yet it's not tricky. It was so nice. It's so nice when you play it live. Mm. When you lock into Ross's kick and snare, and mm. it's just like you, I just 
feel like I don't need to do anything. Mm. But um, Ross is also one of those drummers who really, really plays the song. You know, mm -hmm. like I've got a theory with some drummers that a beat is there to give them time to think about what fill they're going to do <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming yeah. up, you know, yeah. and um, Ross is not that. I actually once, so like on the second album or something, I got on my knees and begged Ross to do a fill. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. you bastard, yeah. do a drum fill. Yeah. yeah. You know. And he can do them, of course. Yeah, he's <laughs> you got know, the chops. Of course you know. he can do them. Um, but when he does those great minimalist sort of fills, I mean, you know, like that's him on um, Netherworld Dancing Toys yeah, today. Yeah. And that snare crack at the start of that is like a better drum fill than a lot of drummers will ever play at their yeah, life. Yeah, listen, yeah, that's so yeah. funny, Ross. <laughs> Ross was the, like, the session guy yeah. when he was like 20. Yeah. Um, playing on, played on, you know, Montego Bay, I think. Yeah. Was John Stevens and Netherworld Dancing Toys. He's a Dancing. postie or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still is. Yeah, yeah, classic. Um, but, um, yeah, it was uh, um, like on. I remember when we used to do the heater. Yeah. Um, Ross and I would. We used to start that. Ross would when we'd do it live. We'd often start the gig with it, and Ross would just start playing the beat for a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. No fills. I would come out and I'd start going da 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 da. No fills, and then I would come out. But Ross and I used to eyeball each other. Yeah. Like, who's see gonna, who's going to crack. Who's going to do something different <laughs> yeah, first? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we'd get through the whole thing with yeah. neither of us <laughs> opening up at all. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so great. So. What happens? The record comes out. You sell heaps of copies. That first one. You play some shows. Nature grows and grows. Um, you've got singles off it, and then you put out a second album relatively quickly. Yeah, we we signed to EMI Australia. Yeah, and um, so they gave us money to do it like properly, mm. and we mixed in Sydney with Chad Blake, who was who, yeah yeah you know Chad. Did everything phone machine and <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, Tom yeah. Waits and, um, crowded house stuff yeah yeah though he didn't mix the crowded yeah, house yeah. stuff that Elvis was all... Costello stuff Lost Lives he did yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah and he did well the fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah, Black, Black Playboys, yeah. Um, which was mainly recorded on a four track set thing right. told me yeah yeah but it sounds so good yeah 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 it's a great record yeah, yeah. Um, but so Chad mixed it which was a love loved his sort of mm. his approach you know mm. not much reverb mm. things mixed hard left or center or hard right mm. um, someone said something like something to me in the studio and said that harmony vocal could be like 30 degrees there and Chad went I thought that was only left right and center he <laughs> uh, <laughs> was yeah he was cool so you, I remember shortly after Salty came out you guys opened for the Violet Fiends at the Town Hall in Wellington. And I saw that show. Did we play with them there? Yeah. Right. That was a great show. Because that was me new to Wellington. New to right. I'm trying to think if I'd seen you before. I think I might have seen... I think that might have been the first time I saw... I saw the Mutton Birds a few times. I think that was the first time I, I, I saw so you guys. That'll be why we... Because we ended up touring through Australia with them. Right. I forgot. Because Don came out and played the euphonium on Black Girls and, you know... Right. Yeah, yeah. So there was this nice little, like... Oh, okay, so that would have been... That, oh, yeah, that was after. You that was after we first, done Aussie, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, that was all... Because actually, the, the last... <laughs> after I left the Mutton Birds, the Fins came here twice. Yeah. Brian always gives me a ring. Right. I went down and just would sit in with the Violet yeah. Fins, which is like this yeah. sort of 
dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he'd go, what do you feel like playing like that? Mm. And um, and he'd call me the chords while we played them. Wow! Yeah, cool. So, um, they were cool. Yeah. Cool band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were they were a big deal for me. And and then as I say, I was pretty new to Wellington, um, to university, and pretty into the Mutton Birds and the second album out. You know, you could really kind of believe in this band because they had two records yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like <laughs> that proved themselves <laughs> you know and then so it felt like a double bill you know it wasn't like an opening act it was like yeah, yeah. right yeah no it was um yeah but so we ended up going to australia a lot and then getting signed to virgin uk mm. so we moved there and that was cool but hard yeah hard um doing the shows hard doing to... the shows hard you know just that sort of mm. classic mm. it was great mm. you know like getting to support bands through Europe and I got it was like an adventure but yeah. it felt like they 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 were it was mid 90s so they wanted hits yeah and we weren't that sort of yeah. band you know we were like a yeah I mean you've got these singles on those first two records and and they're kind of largely upbeat records but there's all sorts of moods and emotions going on across the record yeah, the yeah. whole isn't and there dark, like, yeah that's what lot, lovely sort of dark, dark end yeah. of his writing you know too close yeah. to the sun and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Which, um, yeah you know I love yeah um, so yeah we, we just we weren't the sort of band that they sort of really wanted as well mm. I remember talking to our, our A&R guy who'd been assigned to us and him saying it's interesting that I that I've been given you to look after because really I'm only into dance music. Right. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, because so, I was going to say, Envy of Angels feels like a slightly more somber record to me. It's yeah. got it's got some upbeat stuff again. It's got you know all sorts of things happening on it. And I think it's a, a I, I think it's a spectacular record. I feel like it's maybe it's the one uh, not underrated but slightly under discovered album in the catalogue yeah I, I really like that album when I go back to it it was you know it was a hard time mm. but I felt the songs were good and mm. I felt like we I felt for me sonically yeah I was I was sort of on top of um, feedback yeah yeah, yeah. you know like I, it's yeah. sort of funny when I left the band I left the band not that long after that mm. it was hard it was hard in the band I was I got married I broke up I was just like, it's just hard work. Mm, mm. But, um, you know, I remember thinking, God, I've spent the last seven years of my life working out how to get feedback from, you know, with my guitar. I always stand here. If I stretch out my ha- arm there, the, my fingers can top, touch the top right hand of my amp. Yeah. And I know that when I've got my hot cake and tube screamer on this and I play a note I can bend slightly away with it and get yeah. feedback on a fifth coming in you know and yeah. I remember thinking what a what a weird skill <laughs> why did I spend my life <laughs> doing that doing that yeah. no, what a waste yeah. you know who's going to give me a job making feedback yeah and um but um it's sort of you know it, Actually, in a weird way... You sort of found that job. I found that job doing scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like, scores exactly. are so about sonic... Yeah, yeah. Sort of textures. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, how do you break the news and how does it go down that you're going to walk from the band? Uh, I actually went to Prague for a week at the moment and I was thinking, someone had said before we left, said, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be a year touring this album. 
and it had sort of hit me in the stomach. And the day we were going home, I said to my mum, I'm leaving. And so I just went back and I told them, and it was sort of hard, I think probably not unexpected from them, but it was, um, and you know, I think bands are, you know, I think they have this, the best bands have this sort of these internal tensions, mm. which often are why they work, mm, but mm. I also think that those tensions are what will break you up eventually, and, mm. and we had all those tensions, and we were touring a lot, and it was hard, hard for all of us emotionally, I think, and, um, but, so it was, like, when I got free, it was amazing, I'd, I'd never not been in a band since I was 15, mm. and suddenly I could actually do what I wanted, mm. um, but I also really, really missed playing really badly, um, but sort so of got you, on with it. You leave the band and come back to New Zealand? I left and came back to New Zealand. Yeah, as one move kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. part of that was my, my ex was in, she was in Brussels, and I was going, do I move to Brussels, do we try and do this? And I was thinking, well, I'll be working in an Irish bar for the next, yeah. you know, 10 years. And and it was like giving me 12,000 miles between yeah. everything. Yeah. And so they, they carried on and did, you know, Brainsteam and Speed. and But I sort of just then slowly started doing... Did you um, have any... Uh, Desire to take on board that record as a listener? Did you want to check it out, or did you? Were, were you like Rain Seaman's band? Yeah, yeah. It was, well, what are your feelings around that record? I, I, I actually remember I got they sent me a copy when it came out, and I, I actually found myself I was sort of really weird because it was mm. like this thing I knew mm. without me. And mm. Chris Sheen did some really great playing on it. Mm. It felt like I remember feeling like he hadn't spent hours and weeks and days inside the songs trying to find ways through mm. them but it was a different thing it was faster and he was a really nice guitarist and I was sort of a bit freaked by that as well though I do remember they they were talking to um David Mitchell they talked to David Mitchell from the right, three yeah, days yeah. about joining yeah and I knew David and we both would sort of had you know talk mm. guitar and admire each other mm. and when I heard it was they might Get David Mitchell, I was freaked because yeah, I was yeah. thinking, "Shit, it's gonna be, it's gonna be more interesting than me." Fuck, fuck. And um, so I was really relieved. I'm sure, that is not true, but I could see how you'd feel that. Like he's a, you he's know, such a great player, a great player. Yeah. So yeah, Chris yeah. was a different thing, and so and it would be very interesting hearing him in that. Just thinking, yeah, wouldn't that, it that be? Wouldn't it be? Where where the rest of the band would be that little bit more structured and you know around and delivering a pop song. Be that wild. He would come in as like yeah, the epitome of like a splatter paint. Yeah yeah, 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 much more, more so yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they, they, you know, and so I, I actually really liked some of the songs mm. on that album. But you know, it wasn't that long. Uh, I think it takes years to sort of yeah work yeah, through yeah. stuff and yeah um, it's, which was you know because about was it three and a half years ago we did a reunion yeah, tour. yeah we did right. I, I actually did a couple of gigs with them like we played i played with them we played at the like the launch of the first lord of the rings movie or something yeah um and that was quite cool but it was felt sort of slightly you know i felt awkward 
we probably all felt a bit awkward yeah and it was sort of cool but when we did this reunion tour i remember we did the first day of rehearsal and it was like we all fell in love again you know? yeah um and was, we finished and we just sort of went and drank beer for ages because it was like we didn't want to leave that yeah good that we, bubble there that yeah, bubble, yeah and it was a really amazing mm, i got it i mean i saw you guys a bunch of times but i did miss that show I, I, was, Don, uh, Don, I kept on every so often going, are we better? Yeah. Does this feel better than before or have yeah. we just forgotten, you know? Yeah. Like, but it felt really great. It felt like, you know, as you get older, you don't feel like you have to prove yeah. as much. Yeah, that's probably the probably hard to answer that, but the answer is probably both. It probably were better and... And it's also because you'd forgotten. You know? Yeah, yeah, probably, I probably think so. Both. Just, I'm just thinking, like, particularly for you and Don, you've both done other things quite a lot of other things, yeah. you know, like quite, quite disparate, but all stemming from, or largely stemming from, particularly for him as a songwriter, from that base of, of the yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, even though you're not covering that material, like his solo albums, it's just like further informs his abilities, you know. Yeah, 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 it was, so it was, that was really, it was really great though, and actually just to go and actually have people come up and go. Yeah. That really meant a lot. Yeah, yeah. What you did, and you know, there's always that nagging doubt that you're just being a selfish little prick. Well, it's funny, isn't it? The Mutton Birds. You make these, you make these three albums quite quickly that are great, that, that all have singles. But the third album comes out when you're overseas, and you just about spend, maybe not quite, but you spend this big chunk overseas at a time when you know like you're a New Zealand band but you almost spend as much time overseas yeah yeah as you did getting as, set up and touring the country yeah, in those in yeah. initial run so that's why I think everyone missed you you know then you then you sort of announced that you're not going to be in the band that trickles back and because this is all pre you know social yeah, media yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff so that trickles back and then another album comes out and uh, I've never spent a lot of time with Rain Steam and Speed, funnily enough. I don't know why, but I mean, Pulled Along by Love was the big yeah, single yeah. off that, and I know that that's a constant in Don's sets. Yeah, and, to, it, and it's a good song. It's a really you know, good I song. I like that yeah. song. Um, and uh, when I, I have heard the record, and I'm sure there's lots of other good things on it, it's definitely the one that I always think, man, I need to go back and listen to that now. But that trickles back, that album, and then it is just such a finite catalogue for people yeah. to have their heads around, so I can see why. It, there's a nice bubble of nostalgia to it. You know, it's a very accessible... You know, when when that tour was announced, and I remember interviewing Alan, actually, and having a good chat to him, you know, and he was talking about how, how pleased you all were with... I think you've done a couple of shows when I talked to him, how, how pleasantly surprised you all sort of were. You know, I remember sort of talking to him around the idea that, well, it was so easy for people to go and catch up. You know, if, 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 the, if they not listened to you for ages, but knew one or two songs or one record, they could easily get their heads around yeah. four albums or one best of, yeah, which, yeah. and the best of does nicely cover. The best of is quite nice. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like not, not everyone's pleased with their, you know, with the best of, because it's yeah. assembled by someone else. Yeah, no, we got to choose it. Yeah. So we talked well, that comes a lot. across. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's what I mean. Like, you could just have that one compilation, and you're going to be pretty well prepared yeah. for a good night out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a good thing. I, so I, I worked with Don on his his um, last solo album, mm. Lucky Stars, mm. and that was really great as well. That yeah. was really fun, but totally different thing. And yeah. I 
um, I barely played any guitar on that. I mm, played. Mm. I just sort of gave ideas yeah. and and played things like weird little homemade organ and shakers and tambourines and. Yes, but by this point you're you're quite the record producer, you know. Yes, yes. So yeah. so uh, am I right in thinking that that's essentially what you come back here and end up probably almost by accident falling into? You produce what the Fur, Fur Patrol oh, I did record? Fur Patrol, and then I did a whole bunch of yeah. albums and. Things like and I've done a couple of albums with like Barry Saunders, which yep. I really loved and was yep. really yeah been a surprise. You know, like I didn't know Barry before, and he's become right. a really dear friend. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, well, he's got something quite special, I think. You he's, know, he's really got something he's got special. This, he's he's a good songwriter. Um, but it's more than that, you know. There's some sort of spirit of the troubadour or something yeah, yeah. that I think not he, every, a lot of people try to get and can't get. No, Barry's just got it naturally without mm. thinking mm. about it. Yeah, and he's got a really, um, Sweet um, really great voice. Yeah, yeah. I always actually think if you've got a good voice, yeah. If, I, if, if, if I'm working with someone with a good voice, you can make an album. Even if the songs aren't up to it, you can make it. Great sounding album. Well, wow. hence the first Fur Patrol record. Well, Julia's got such <laughs> a great that, voice. Yeah, and I was going to say that's a record that I haven't listened to in a long, long time, but I would imagine it was not jam packed with great songs, but it had enough yeah, key yeah. moments to really pop. But her voice made, yeah. you, made you want to. I mean, I remember being a huge fan of Fur Patrol right up until that record, like their and then selective since. But like their that their earlier EP was just perfect. Yeah, it was really great. Really great, and uh, they, you know, because you wanted to hear anything she said. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's really great. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So I did I did quite a bit of that, and while I was also studying, and then started did a sort of letter to Peter and Fran when they were doing starting Lord of the Rings yeah. with with Plan 9 who were David and Janet and Steve who was yeah. in the Six Volts with yeah. and we just sort of talked about trying to do something together and we ended up doing all the what's called cultural music yeah. and then the Sound of the Ring as well and all yeah. those films yeah. so that was actually <laughs> suddenly I actually earned some money as <laughs> yeah, well yeah, for the yeah. first time in my yeah. life and bought a house mm. and um We've got a deposit for our house, mm, mm. but so so as well as you know doing that composition, that that sort of stuff, and that took me into um into um um that took me into um writing for mm. schools. So though I'd been writing, you know, because I was obsessed with the well, still am when it's good with contemporary dance. Mm, so yeah. I ended up writing. For a lot of contemporary dance and a lot for Douglas Wright, mm. which to me is always like where I started writing for pictures. Yeah, right. So that yeah, you you do that first, and then the and s- soundtrack composer title starts to take shape after. Yeah, that, yeah, around yeah. That. So so it sort of becomes this. I remember Douglas saying to me once, when I kept on. We just had this repetitive sort of little viola note that was going on and on. Mm. And I kept on trying to make it interesting, he said, mm. in inverted commas, because, um, uh, you know, I, I want people to think that I'm interesting and I'm a good composer. And Douglas, mm. I remember Douglas saying to me, just remember you're one element in this. You know, there's the movement, there's the lighting, there's all mm. the visuals. You're just one element. And I was like, oh, good, stop being awake. And just realise... Mm. you know work in there you know um, in the same way that you do when you're a guitarist well I was going to say that's that's probably what you've always done and been in the best possible way but 
but that crystallized adhering it, you know, yeah, like yeah. you're one element, a really key element, I think, but one element in the Mutton Birds, one element in all of those other bands before that. And, and I'm one element in a film. Yeah. You know? And I yeah. actually really like that. I yeah. really like, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, as we talked we talk before about my not putting stuff out on social media, I'm, mm. I'm not, I'm not the, yay, look at me, mm. person. I, mm. I'm, I want to be on the side, you know. Mm. And so I sort of go, I remember around the same time I did a piece with Douglas, I produced um, Available Life with Goblin. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that. And, um, and I remember going, wow, I've just worked with who I reckon are two of our great artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so different, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so what was Available Life like to work? Because that's a great record. I love that record. It was, it was, I really liked it. They'd done demos, which were really good and Neil Finn had helped knock the songs around and done I think really great work on them mm. and we went in and we actually and they we actually we used some of the rhythm tracks that they demoed mm. then but then we just played more with stuff but um and was Ross playing on that record? Ro it was Ross and Bones. Yeah, yeah. Bones Hillman. That's right. You know, from Midnight from, Oil and yeah, yeah, from yeah. earlier so, Suburban yeah, Reptiles that's right. and stuff. Yeah, yes. So that swingers. was... Yeah, Swingers. Yeah, Cool, cool bass yeah, player. And yeah. real, um, that sort of post-punky yeah, yeah, feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that, that was great. And so, mm. so it was sort of... Dobbin would... We, and we did a lot of that album. I played quite a lot on it. But like, so there'd be Dobbins on an upright, Ross and Bones were all in the same room and me on acoustic guitar. Mm, mm. And we'd put down, and like every vocal apart from one, I think, was Dave's guide. Yeah, right. On that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'd go, oh, okay. Talking of people with great voices, great <laughs> singers, you know, yeah. people who can just yeah. stand up and knock it out, eh? Yeah. 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 Wow. So that, yeah, that was, that was really that was cool it was really it was one of those hard work albums you know, just for me logistically mm. keeping everything together keeping, mm. working it all out working the budgets working the um, it was it was you know hard but by the end it was really good mm. often often really good things are mm. you know, I remember in that Metallica documents Got this sort of council that's coming in, and yeah. the, the producer, what's his name, Bob Rock. Yeah, yeah. So at one point, you see him going, he goes, because he, he's trying to like calm everyone and make everyone happy. And mm. Bob Rock goes, sometimes making an album is just fucking hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, it's like, yeah, sometimes it is. You just, yeah. Um, and it's sort of hard work that, um, unless someone's actually in that space, watching it happen or having a go at it, they don't really ever quite compute it, I imagine. They yeah. never really quite get their head around how that could be hard work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've you're doing something you love. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. That out, but. but that's yeah. <laughs> we we yeah. It's a funny thing. Mm. It's a funny thing. You know, making music and that you're sort of in that in that role of without it being as useful, but like nurses and teachers, which is like a calling. You know, yeah. Um, you, you're doing stuff because you love it and because you think you should do it. Yeah. Although you know, I pro I when I make that analogy, <laughs> I, I sort of see teachers and and nurses and stuff has been more important yeah, yeah. actually but you know still the arts are so yeah, important but yeah. they will happen in some way you know yeah that's right um, um so you've kind of carved out this nice little 
position for yourself. Oh, I say that uh, uh, obviously acknowledging all the hard work that's yeah, taken yeah, yeah. to get to it. I don't. I don't mean lu- yeah. you know lucky you, but you have. You seem to have this nice um, workspace that you occupy as a composer for hire. If people want you, as a person, people come to with plenty of projects. You, you know. The work ticks over, I take it. Yeah, yeah, the work ticks over, you know. It's You've been, got your outlet back in a rock band now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still do, you know, it's, it's really important to me to do those things that bear, don't that don't pay or barely pay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's probably half half of my life mm-hmm. is doing those things or, you know, doing more experimental music. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like so there's a couple of really great Lab Coats records. Yeah, which is good. So cool. I love, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love the Lab Coats. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but what a lineup! Yeah, it's such a great lineup. <laughs> it can't be hard, you know. <laughs> that's a nice night's work, um, okay, when you get to play with oh people like God, that. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I feel really lucky. I'm also really aware that it's a small country. It's a fragile industry. Yeah. Things really changing. Yeah. You know, I'm never sure whether, you know, you're never sure whether you, there's lots of really good people who yeah. do scores do you get the next score you know like there's that yeah, funny, yeah yeah there's um, um people probably nipping at your heels the whole times uh, in turn in terms of um deciding that they want to diversify yeah, their yeah, musical yeah. cv yeah i think i think i was sort of probably an early mm, early sort adopter. of model yeah, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah of what you do after a rock band mm, um, i was gonna say it's probably happening a bit now I yeah yeah you know and um and and but i also sort of see that as actually being a really positive thing and you mm. work with younger people who are doing stuff and mm. you help them and i sort of think that it's And also, it's all all hinges on that cruel word funding too. Like you know, once there's a you know, people might want your vision, but they can't pay for it because they're relying on funding to make you a part of their vision. And so, when budgets start getting trimmed, people start having to make you know all sorts of cutbacks. People using music libraries, yeah, lots now in film and TV, and and starting to use it in film, especially because it's cheaper, because it's easier. Yeah. Uh, it's one less person to, you know, one less personality yeah, to yeah. muddy up the situation. Yeah. So, so you know, it's um, it's an interesting and mostly, I guess, because of the drive for creating content quickly, isn't it? To, yeah. Is the real thing. Yeah. Like lots of people are starting to make music libraries now, and I yeah. haven't done that. I've talked with people about doing that. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't grab me. You know, yeah. like, it's a bit like doing ads has never grabbed me. Yeah. Like, I've always. I can admire people who do ads. Yeah, it's a whole other skill set, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not <laughs> me, and it's not what I want to do, and I always thought if I was doing ads, time to exit music, you know? But you've created stuff like, I mean, the, I remember talking to you just, just off the cuff, I think we bumped into each other at some vaguely industry thing, and I asked you what you're up to, and you said, oh, I'm, I'm doing this really cool soundtrack for an Ed Hillary doco, and it's going to be, or film, and it's going to be out in a wee bit, and then you know, a year later or whatever, I received the score to it, and I listened to it over and over, and of course I'm interested in seeing the film, but I listened to the score over and over and go, wow, this is like, this is a piece of music. I don't actually need to see the film to appreciate what's happening here. This is this giant, right. big, you know, sonic sweep of music. Yeah, good, good. We end up going to the film by mistake. We go to something that gets, we, we get invited to the Nick Cave doco, and they don't have the, um, 
that are, the film hasn't arrived. So they say, oh, well, since we got you up here, you can go to any film of your choice for free. Oh, so we sorry. go, oh, cool, we're going to go to the end. You know, we want to see that anyway, yeah. so we're going to go to it. But And we're blown away by the film. And, of course, I'm sitting there, as I always do, going... I've heard this music. I want to see how it works. You know, it was obviously yeah, yeah. it was obviously written for these images, uh, and it works beautifully in the context of the film. But then I come home and listen to the album again and go, I just saw one of my favourite albums of the year played cool. out on a big screen. So, um, well, it's one of the beautiful. I loved doing that. I love working with Leanne mm. Pulley, that director. We've mm. worked together a few times, and she's really open musically. Yeah, her and Tim Woodhouse, the editor, yeah. really embrace different things but um that was a great gig because mm. i got to do you know do an orchestra mm. with well, i was gonna feedback, say you could imagine you, know? you could i could imagine seeing a performance of that i could imagine that being yeah you know put on by an orchestra that was a, it was a really that was a great gig and it's a, that interesting thing with with music with film music exists can still exist outside of it it's yeah. sort of got its own copyright as well mm. you know like mm. so if you're an editor or, or a dop or a like all of your work is in the film mm. and you can't take it you can't take go oh that's a lovely edit that i yeah, just yeah. watched you know but you can go that's a lovely score so mm. and i think they don't always work outside mm. outside the film but um that one did yeah no they don't always work but but uh, and it's interesting the ones that don't. You know, I find it's quite interesting listening to. I can't think of something. Uh, you know, anything off the top of my head. But I, 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 check, I check out scores all the time. I love film scores. I love listening to them outside of the film. But sometimes a favourite film with really great music, the music's lost when it's on its own. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So married to the image. Because you haven't. Because you don't make it. So yeah. it's almost like luck. When yeah. It, you know, and I and I don't think you should think of making it mm. with with another life and no exactly that's not actually what you're being no, asked to do no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So, so so it's kind of like with, striking it lucky yeah. beyond the edge it was it was that luck and it was yeah. that um, um, you know and I got funny when I did it you know, quite a few people were sort of said would sort of say oh it's quite sort of minimalist which people sometimes say to me and the people go oh it's a bit Philip Glass but Steve mm. Reich and I'm going uh-huh uh-huh and I'm thinking can Noi, you know, yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. references. And I sent a track to Alan from the Mountain Birds in London, and um, um, and when I just done it, and he emailed back and he went, I like it, Trans Europe Express. <laughs> <laughs> and I real, I listened to it and I realised that I could sing Trans yeah. Europe Express against it. And I was yeah. like, Oh shit, he knows, he knows I'm not the serious composer I pretend to be. <laughs> but. Can those things you said like can the craft work? I mean that all comes from Steve Reich. They're, they're, they're all culturally yeah, from the same. That's it. They're, you can draw a line. They're they're yeah. all they're all reacting to the same yes. things culturally yes. and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And for, yeah. I'm just gonna have to. I'm meant to be with someone in a wee while. Okay. Yeah. How soon? Um, uh, soon, but um, should we just sort of we can wrap yeah. up? Yeah yeah yeah. 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 And I'll cut, um, I'm just trying to think. Sorry. So yeah, no, that's totally fine. You've, we've had a great chat. Um, what, what have we missed out? I feel like we've covered. We, we've yeah. almost covered my life. <laughs> well, you've got. So, what's the plan for the next wee while? Is so, it essentially. So I've just finished. Finished. It's quite been quite nice finishing the Teeth album. Mm. Doing the orchestra Wellington, piece. which is great. I've heard the Teeth album, and it's oh cool. good. Yeah, yeah I love it. It's really cool. I cold. really love it. Yeah. Um, and I've just finished. Did well. I did additional music for a film six days, and mm. then I've just finished 
93 minutes, I think, in a doco on Bruce McLaren. Right, yeah, yeah. And so that's been mixed and all that. So, um, next year I'm doing a kids' TV series, which I'm really hanging out for, actually, because they're really great people. Mm. They give me, it's Pukeko Pictures, Mm -hmm. they give me a budget for, for... for real players, mm. which is quite rare in kids, mm. and it's like almost a year's work, mm. and and oddly, make, often making kids music is you can make quite weird, yeah, yeah, quite weird music. Kids you know? are open, to, yeah, you know. And 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 the nice thing is that the first few months will be like six days a week. Probably. Now Alan's doing that, isn't he? He, he has, has he, done. He's, he's done, done that. He hasn't done yeah, much in yeah. the last couple of years. But, but he did a kids album. It's really yeah, good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. That. Um, so, so I'm doing that, and then then the aim is to actually do more teeth, more lab coats. Yeah. And I actually want to find more sort of orchestral yeah. writing as well because mm. I enjoy that. I'd like to do the piece I did with Orchestra Wellington. Mm. David and Jim and I would like to find other places to do that. Yeah. Um, but the the McLaren film I I did that was really fun it's a sort of combination of um i used toby and joe from yeah. fat freddy's lucy and johnson and steve roche as the horn section yeah and so i didn't go orchestral wow. i went yeah, yeah i went let's go dirty yeah, yeah. dirty contemporary players yeah yeah and then use 16 string players are all nzso yeah um I was going to say, I love the way you do that. Like, you've got this orchestra beyond the edge, but then you've got Ricky Gooch yeah, yeah. playing on it, who, you know, uh, doesn't, is, is an absolute, you know, we could talk about him for yeah. ages. He's a yeah. phenomenal talent, but he does not come from the world of the orchestra. No. So Ricky's all over the McLaren yeah, film yeah, well, yeah. like, all over it. Yeah, cool. And um, so. Well, he should be all over many things that anyone does. You yeah, know, he's, yeah. He's only going to help. So there's sort of this Ricky yeah. orchestral stuff, and then I've got sort of like you know mandolins and stuff but then I've used a whole lot of synths as well so it's sort of for the racing you know like I've got this idea that it'll go from emotional things then into full-on pulsing synths with Ricky yeah. playing along with it and it's that's a really mm. really cool mm. soundtrack but you know to actually I love combining those the sort of orchestral sound sort of yeah. instruments with with non-orchestral and um I'd like to do yeah more of that you um thing I like in your story too is you you sound um, happily reconciled with mutton birds too you know you got to do the yeah. the, the reunion that obviously went well yeah. and you know you're connected with the guys and as much as you uh, anyone is these days when yeah, everyone's yeah. busy so it doesn't sound like there's a you know no no it's anything it's, untapped there or no no it feels real it feels really good and it feels like we, we talked when we did the the last reunion we talked, we sort of went, oh, well, maybe if we're alive, all alive in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, it, do another one. So we've got about six years to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what about when you see things like, what the Crowded House vinyl reissue campaign? And again, they had a really great finite catalogue. Yeah, does, yeah. Do, does the audio file and you go, oh, we should... We never... Know. But see, we... we Mutterbirds were at the start of Yeah, the yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, you know, more maybe we should do a cassette reissue. <laughs> you know, because we did do cassette. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
Uh, did the first record come out on vinyl? I'm sure. I, I'm sure I saw it. I don't think it did. I reckon I saw it in the shop, and so I maybe, and, maybe and it I was did. maybe it know, was that crossover. I feel like it, I feel like I saw it and kicked myself for not going back and getting it. I haven't got it. If we did the second pressing, we got of the CDs. I remember came back and we were all excited because we were doing the second pressing, and um, the pressing plant stuffed up and it was like a reggae Christmas album. <laughs> Which I kept one of those. I've got some of with the Martin Birds imprinted on top. Um, yeah, no, it just seems like that—that's all nicely tied up. Yeah, for you yeah. Without, you know, I, I think you know you can sort of uh, as you get pers- you know sort of distance and perspective. Like when I left the band, it was like I loved the, those guys, but it was like, I just went away from it yeah. you know, it was, yeah. um, but you get perspective and you sort of see the things that actually mattered and the things that didn't matter mm. and I think that's a really um, oh it's a nice place to be and maybe you have to get older to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, to get there yeah. but you know I, I sort of I don't know I'm just sort of looking forward to um, I guess I think see myself as always sort of slightly moving Mm. around musically and mm. I'm sort of interested to see where, where it'll go. You have these connections too to that sort of I guess next generation down you know Layla Adu and yeah. Ricky and you know yeah 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 or half generation whatever it is you know yeah, yeah sort of people who are 10-15 <laughs> years yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but then you also you still have that connection to the guys that were five years older than you 30, yeah. 30 years ago, you're still like Ant Donaldson yeah, and stuff, yeah, that and, crew. And, and, still... like, and Ross is you yeah. know, sort of seven or eight years older than me. And, yeah, right. Um, um, and you're still kind of, you know, well, you're still working with them or seeing them, yeah, you know, yeah. or whatever, yeah. It's nice that feeling that it actually doesn't, you know, I think that's the sort of thing with as rock music or whatever I play gets older. It's, it's not, doesn't feel like a young. Yeah, yeah. You have to be young, you know. Yeah. Or as soon as you give up that feeling of wanting to be a star or something, which mm. I don't think I ever really actually had. Yeah. I was always quite surprised when the mother was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you give up wanting to be cool yeah. and stuff like that. I definitely wanted to be cool when I was young because I was... Well, that's, that's the time. That's the time to try it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it doesn't work out for any yeah. of us if we try it later on. No. Usually, that's <laughs> the that's the yeah. time. But you know, I like the way that you, you early on you use that word. You sort of see yourself as a collaborator. Because I was going to say, to me, even in, the, in your approach to to what you've done outside of the Mutton Birds, um, you've got this sort of like sideband approach, which uh, I, I use that term fondly, but it doesn't quite cover it. Yeah, um, but collaborator is a better way to look at it yeah see I do see my like I guess in some ways in bands I'm a side side man but because when I'm doing writing for film mm. and stuff I want to write the whole lot but the collaboration is happening between you and the director yeah yeah, yeah. or the choreographer yeah yeah exactly something. like and also there's something nice about your work having utility yeah you know like if I was just doing doing little albums and putting them out no one's going to hear them yeah. but actually stuck on other things mm. more people hear them and more people you know and you can actually often go more abstract with film or dance music mm. than people people have got a funny approach to abstraction or dissonance yeah. you know in, in their everyday world yeah um, you know 20th century classical music only really got its popular audience through horror movies yeah that's right you know? 
<laughs> yeah, and then the and then the the slightly avant rock bands that were influenced by it were able to trickle some of that into their audience too. Yeah, but yeah. they still had to be the acceptable side of avant, you know, they weren't fully it wasn't yeah. the fully out there ones. I mean I mean I think this you know, thinking back to the, like the Eno David Bowie stuff, I think that was an amazing era because a whole lot of that stuff was happening in the mainstream. You know, they were experimenting with mm. with style and form and instrumentation and gender, you know, with mm. Bowie. Mm. And it was all in the mainstream. Yeah. And I think yeah, sort of that's you have to look at further out from mm. that, you know, mm. like uh, apart from maybe in hip hop, but musically mm. not many people are doing really innovative mm. mm. things. Things. Yeah, you know, in the mainstream, totally, totally, there's, you know. there's people doing amazing things everywhere. But well, the the things that get written up like that are uh, are so fleeting. It's that you know, Beyonce this year with a video album that yeah. was seen as this you know, in a big statement, you know, big statement album. Yeah. But you know, whilst it's appearing on a lot of album of the year lists, I don't, I don't really think that many care about it a few months down the track you know right, already yeah. like no one wanted to say a bad word about it because it was, it was making such a strong because it was making statements you know and there's race issues and yeah. and, and um you know marriage and fidelity issues and stuff so yeah, I, think yeah. no, I think no one wanted to come out against it and be seen as someone that was against those issues yeah which is tricky because it means you can't criticize the music. the music. I, I actually haven't. I've listened to some of the songs which I like, but I haven't listened to the yeah. whole album. That was an okay album. I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't write anything about it because I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really find words to say how I felt about it. Right. Which is um, you know, a problem. I, I <laughs> you know? remember, you know, some years ago when Missy Elliott first came out mm. and going, shit, this is weird. Interesting yeah. stuff is happening. Oh, she, you know? she was great. You know, she had a great run of, uh, you know, again, she, she was able to have the singles and everything that went along with that like the great videos I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I've never really cared about videos no. they, they don't but if you already like the song it's a bonus that's yeah, how yeah. I see it um, but also great albums you know like there was a run of three or four albums yeah, yeah. and they and they you know they might have had the odd patchy track but really you know like like a lot of hip hop albums they were probably a bit too long yeah but most um, albums are most albums are too long that's yeah. right you see the teeth album comes in at a nice time yeah what is teeth it's about 35 minutes yeah yeah it's under 40 yeah i know that, but Anything, 40, so 40 is the cutoff you know that's that's the bad that's what you know suddenly i remember you know cds came out and it was like and people went great we can make long albums and suddenly you know um yeah elvis costello's doing like mm. 75 minute mm. albums and you go no, no, no. Thirty-eight minutes is yeah, what you need to be Yeah, someone should have cut half of this out. Yeah, just wait a year. You know, he's prolific anyway. Just yeah. wait, wait six months and put, put out the second half. Really ruined a whole lot of his, a whole lot of albums. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.